Alright, so I told you guys a minute ago, but I won't tell everybody else. I was supposed to go to Brazil this week, and I was really excited about it. I was pretty excited about it. I was excited about it. <laughs> I wasn't, like, over the moon excited about it, but I was looking forward to that trip. I've been to Brazil before. It's very cool. And I was going to get to speak at a um, at a robotics conference for students. So I have this, like, nationwide robotics weekend, and there's a Lego robotics competition and other different robotics competitions all in this one big place. And I was going to get to speak at it, and now I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not 100% sure, but... I think probably not. Mostly from the coronavirus stuff, mm. which is kind of a drag. Mm. Mainly because uh, I don't want to get stuck in another country for a long time and not have to not be able to get back. Like I'm not really that worried about the getting sick. I don't want to be a carrier of it, but I also don't want to get stuck. And you know, it's just kind of a bummer. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, we have a few trips coming up, and I'm worried. I mean, even somebody asked me, I don't want to create a scare, but there's a big trip coming up in the spring, and somebody said, hey, are you going to go do that trip because of this whole virus thing? And I said, I haven't even thought about it till this very second, so I have no idea. I'm going to let it play out a little bit and see what things see where things go. After last week, I dropped Jock off at the airport, and he's worried about the coronavirus contained in his neck of Italy in his in the northern part of Italy and there was a there's a quarantine section and it's just near his neighborhood he seems to be fine he wasn't inside the circle of activity so he's okay and he's not being quarantined like we talked about it the biggest problem is obviously uh getting well one of the problems is getting the virus we don't want that but bigger than that is us moving around getting stuck somewhere getting stuck on a you know, if I get stuck on my cruise ship trying to get into my helicopter, that would be really tough. You know, they would let my helicopter. <laughs> That's true. Mm. You'd just be burning all that helicopter fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much, so much money just out the window. You know, I've changed in a lot. Your helicopter. You know, I have a helicopter. <laughs> I got it for free, by the way. I got my helicopter for free, <laughs> so I could promote it. And anybody that doesn't know, we had a little conversation <laughs> before we started recording. That's a that's a leftover joke from that. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, it could affect. Um, you know, all the, the kind of international and I, I guess all of the events that all of us go to throughout the year. I don't know. I hope not. And I hope it blows over and I hope everybody gets a handle on it. I think the big thing that I'm worried about worldwide is just people getting overly panicked about the whole thing and it causing problem because people are panicked. You know, it's, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, it's got its own problems. As as Bob and it, coughs and, and clears his throat and sneezes. <laughs> What's going on over there, Bob? I'm not sneezing. <laughs> I, I just went running and then I came back and jumped in the shower and came down here. That's the thing. I always start this show like right after those two things and that's the time when my nose and my throat goes, oh yeah, now we can just dump everything. <laughs> like right when I go to record mm. a podcast. It's just clearing everything out. So I'm not sick. Uh, but, Oh, anyway, yeah. so I'm probably not going to get to take that trip, which is kind of a bummer. But it is a bummer. You know, no big deal. I'll have more time in the shop. Can't beat that. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, what have you guys been up to? Uh, well, so last week we started a stained glass project, and we didn't finish it. Well, we finished the the project, but it did not come out as good as I expected. I had a couple of books. I read through the books. I watched some videos and I just went into it thinking, I got this. That looks easy. They, these YouTubers, they make it look easy. And my project did not come out <laughs> as good as I expected. Dan keeps telling me it's not as bad as you think it is, but it's not what I envisioned in my head. 
And maybe the project that I started off with was a little too ambitious. It's not square or rectangular, so it's it's not in a form that you can hold all the pieces together. It's all straight edges, but um, crazy angles and a lot of pieces for our first project. And they didn't fit together tightly, and I didn't uh, I didn't take enough care while doing the the foil wrap. And I didn't realize that that was going to affect the the solder. So I'm actually, since it didn't fit together tightly, I'm filling in gaps with solder and trying to overcome the uh, inconsistencies with the with the foil wrap. And so we paused the video. I finished the project, but I think I'm going to do another one, um, and then kind of build up the skill so I can kind of show like this is my first attempt. This is maybe my second or third attempt, and this is how I improved. And it is a thing you need to get. It's not something you can just do. Yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. I was going to say, for inspiration, I should have mentioned this before when you were talking about it, but it only just occurred to me. Do you guys know Tiffany, the family Tiffany that makes the, you know, the, yeah, the, the lamps? Making, oh. Yeah, the, well, there's Tiffany that makes the, the jewelry, but Louis Tiffany was making the lamps and also all kinds of crazy other stuff, all types of architectural <laughs> stuff. He really was a, was a big uh, <clears throat> pioneer in doing stained glass. So it would be interesting to take a look. It might be inspirational to you because he didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of traditional stuff. <clears throat> he established lots of looks and stuff, but he, at the time he was really a renegade in mm-hmm. his own time, really working outside the lines. And uh, a lot of people considered him crazy for the things he was doing and attempting. And supposedly he burned down a lot of a lot of places <laughs> that would make glass because he was trying to do all these different things. I mean, oh. I'm sure I got my history mixed up, but he's a great inspiration. And uh, and I got firsthand to see a show in the New York City Metropolitan Museum of Art about 10 years ago. It was a great Louis Comfort Tiffany show. And it was all these incredible pieces. I mean, you, th- you think of stained glass as sort of just passive in the background, but walking mm-hmm. through the show, it left such a huge impression on me. So Google some of those images if you want some good inspiration. Most, just saying, like, definitely. not the traditional, staying outside the, the normal yeah. shapes and stuff. Yeah. But see, I I thought... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just spoil it. Basically, I bought a Rubik's Cube, and I mixed it mixed it all up, and then I, I turned the top layer so it's, it's in between, and then shot that kind of at a 45-degree angle. I brought that into Illustrator, I traced it, and then... Um, cut out all the shapes and so they're all straight edges but they're all but nothing is rectangular and there was i don't know how many pieces 40 pieces maybe and uh i started cutting everything with a straight edge and i'm like oh i could do this so much faster without a straight edge and so i thought i was doing a good job and then the pieces didn't fit together and they're not i think it's best to start out with you'll see a lot of beginning tutorials in in a uh, rectangular frame so you can have uh, you can kind of make like a little jig to keep all your pieces together as you tack it up. And uh, I just thought, hey, I'm going to make this art piece and I'm just going to go, I'm going to die right in and make something cool. And it wasn't as cool as, as I thought, but it was, it's a good starting point for hmm. sure. And it's, uh, I learned, I learned a lot. And when I see pieces now that have hundreds of little pieces of glass so much respect because that is so tedious and that must take so much time that's why i had my breakthrough Um, when i did my stained glass window my breakthrough i was waiting and waiting and waiting to do my laser video because i didn't want to sit and wrap thousands of pieces to create (laughs) the lead line which i ultimately just laser cut out of plastic and when they were pushing me they're like hey your video is like 10 months late i was like is it okay if i just laser 
one part and Wazer with water jet the other part. And they said, sure, mm. that's fine. And I jumped right in and finished the video yeah. fast. <laughs> so, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, it's kind of funny because, you know, Jimmy did the stained glass thing. Now you're doing a stained glass thing and not in for video's sake, I've been cutting out glass on my Wazer for my dad because he's he's done stained glass in the past and now he's doing a big piece for his church. And so he's designing it all in Fusion and then sending me the outlines and then we're we're going in and cutting it out. Just kinda of funny how that works where I'll just happen to be doing stained glass, oddly <laughs> enough, around the same time. Yeah, it's it's fun and it it is rewarding when you when you get that good bead and you get the good line in there, it's just like welding. I mean, you're you're looking for you're looking for you know a good connection and a and a, and a good bead and, and line. Uh, but unlike welding, you can go over it and fix everything. So, yeah, definitely a awesome learning experience, and it's something that I want to get better at and use more in the future. Yeah. So cool, Jimmy. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, do you have something else? Uh, else yeah, we've been um, getting ready for the go-kart racing season. I The go-kart that I raced last November, actually, I put that all together. That's being sold to a friend, and I bought another one to kind of copy to do the um, welding up the chassis. And my welding table, my certified flat welding table, arrives tomorrow. And I've been practicing with the, with the bender. And this, I have full confidence in. I am now that I've I've played around with the tube notcher and the tube bender. I think I got this, and it's not going to take nearly Good. as long. I think it's going to be. It's one of those things I've been building up all winter and putting off because oh, this is going to be difficult. But I think I got it. I think I got That's it. Great, yeah. awesome. Well, like anything, you do it a couple times, it gets faster, easier, yeah, simpler, demystified. Yep. I uh, work on a guitar. I showed a little bit of it on Instagram. I did a quick video this week. It's kind of an experiment, something I've been thinking about since I did the Louisville Maker Fair, which was just doing some bandsaw sculpts. And a lot of people are fascinated watching me do something on the bandsaw. I take it for granted, but when I watch somebody's jaw hang open while I sculpt on the bandsaw, it's 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 a nice feeling. So I decided every couple of months I'm going to do a sculpt on the bandsaw. Nothing high tech, nothing super, super fancy, but just to show some bandsaw techniques mm-hmm. and just to get people out of their comfort zone and try to do a little bit of that themselves. And so I did a little robot thing that I've made a hundred times at these fairs. That was my latest video. Was, and I say it in one take and everyone's like, I see edits, I see edits. I'm like, do you want me to show the empty bandsaw when I walked away to answer the phone? Do you want me to show the empty bandsaw when I went to go answer the door? So people see like the transitions and they're like, this isn't one take. Why did you say one take? I just uh, wanted people to realize it was just like a straight on bandsaw video. And I should re- retitle it. But that, that did a little bit better than expected. I figured it was going to be a complete dud, but it did okay. It broke 100,000 views, which I'm happy with. And uh, I'm working on this guitar, which I probably won't have done. And I'm working on a restoration, which I won't have done. And this week I'm going to, by the time this airs, the day this airs, I'll be in Kansas City. So I have a short week in the shop this week. So hopefully I can get that guitar mostly batched out and to... Uh, uh, points and i'm working with a client on it it actually belongs to a friend of mine so as i take each one of the steps i'm sending him pictures and then he's like can i call you so i do one thing and he's like uh can i call you and he's uh he's like a doting father (laughs) on the whole thing from the beginning to end it's really it's a complete makeover it starts out as a brand new warwick base which probably is a few thousand dollars and by the end it's going to look like this kind of geiger-esque death metal-y abstract interpretation of 
this guitar that was covered in steel and the steel ripped off from sheer explosion of the bass sounds it's gonna be pretty heavy wow that was very poetic really heavy especially the heavy metally i like that that's very poetic yeah no it's gonna be wood and heavy metally so it's (laughs) it'll be funny It's it's gonna it's a total makeover like i start with the bass simply because i know where the pockets are and it was simple for him to just bring me a guitar with all the hardware on it take it off do what i need to do and then put it back together and uh bob you you made a guitar video this week as too as well i was gonna say as well and as too <laughs> as too yes i did um yeah we made the b bender uh which i don't know if we talked about that on here or not before i feel like we have maybe specifically i know we've talked about it but i don't know if it was on the show uh, but yeah basically um i i made this modification to a guitar for rob scallon so that the strap where the strap attaches to the top of it um, that's connected internally to the B string. So when you push down on the guitar from the strap, it bends the B string up um, and changes the tone. And so a few weeks ago when we went to Chicago, that's what we were delivering to Rob. And we got into the studio for an afternoon and he figured out how to play it, which was the coolest thing to watch. It's really it was cool. so awesome. I watched just the Instagram to sit there with him. Man, just like it, like I, I played with it here quite a bit, not on video, but just, to, you know, I wanted to make sure it worked and make sure that it was as it should be before giving it to him. And I honestly had no idea what to do with that guitar, like how to use that effect. Because it's a very country Western kind of lap steel, this kind of note that just kind of rises up. But it's one note when you're playing a set of notes. And so it has a really different sound to it. And I just couldn't figure out what to do with it. And he got that guitar and within two minutes was writing riffs, taking advantage of that little mm. change. And it was so cool to watch. And then there's you can actually see it in the video. There's this point where <clears throat> he plays a harmonic on the string and then bends the string. So this harmonic, which is like a higher octave version of the same note that you should be playing if you're not a guitar player, it's this like really high version of the same note. So he plays this harmonic, it's floating up there, and then he bends it up and then changes chords and then bends the note back down with a different chord. So it's basically you have like a a chord and then a single note that are moving independently of each other on a, one person playing a guitar. And it, that just blew my mind. Like, you don't hear that. And so when I saw him do that, I was just like, oh, that's it. Like, you got to do that. <laughs> it was awesome. so gratifying to like work. Because, I mean, I had that guitar for two years. I was too scared to cut into it because I had to cut a giant hole in the back. And so I had it for two years, and then I finally just dove in, did the work, <clears throat> got it functioning like it should, and I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, like, I, I put it back in the case. My part is done. And so to see him really do something crazy with it that I had never heard before was super gratifying. That was a lot of fun. And I was talking to him last night because um, we both put out our videos on Saturday, which is different for us, but he releases his videos on Saturday. And he, his is like over the top, almost at a million views in 24 hours, and it's doing super well, um, which is great. But we were talking last night about it back and forth, and already are coming up with other ideas, things we can modify, because we really want to work on something else together. Because he's saying now that people are asking him to re- like finish the song. We just played like a little, a little short version of the song that he was writing, and I played bass. And so now people are wanting the rest of that song 
And so he was asking me if I'll come up to Chicago again and we can record the full track in the studio. Oh, sweet. Um, which is super cool. So now we're going to come up with another idea to you know make that trip more than one thing. And oh, yeah, it was cool. really exciting. It was very cool. A lot of fun. Is that patentable, um, do you think? Or do you care? Uh, no, I mean, it's not. I didn't design it. It's been around for a long time. Oh, right so, on. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that was. It's something that a lot of uh, country players have done, have used. But it's not something that, I, as far as I understand, has not ever actually been in production from a guitar company. So it's always a DIY kind oh, of add-on. I didn't know there that. There may be some kits, maybe, that you can put on. But I don't think it's something that you can just buy off the shelf. Is it always on the I could be wrong beat? about that. There's actually a G-Bender, too. Okay. I think Brad Paisley, um, who's a country artist, I believe, um, plays a G-Bender. And that was... People brought that up in the comments and stuff, and that's... I didn't realize... That was a thing. And so now people are asking me, like, could you do the same thing on every string so that a tremolo, like a whammy bar, moves all the strings in that same way at the same time? But people are asking me, could you do an individual bend on each string so you could kind of choose which string you wanted it to bend? And I have no idea. I know, I mean, the mechanism would be the same, but the controls, you would have yeah. to have six you have to have a keyboard yeah. to be able to... Yeah, you keyboard somewhere into a control station. Yeah, so like last night, I'm just going through like, okay, well, you could put one there, and you could do this, and you could do that, and you could make a pedal, and you could, you know. (laughs) I I, I throw out an idea, um, a totally different thing, but you remember, uh, I think it was in the 80s, there was this band called Jackal, and they were known for putting a pick on a drill and having that pick on the guitar, and just so it's playing a note super fast. I'm wondering if you can somehow mod a guitar so the pick comes up from the body and hits a certain string. So you could constantly have like that that drone note. That's a, oh, that, <laughs> whoa, yeah, huh? It's That's like crazy. a so it's there's, like a bicycle. There's, there's, throwing that out there, it's like a yeah. baseball card in a bicycle wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did huh, the trigger the trigger whammy on the and the AK flexes the whole tremolo the entire bridge it, when you pull mm. it it flexes the whole bridge just a couple of notes but uh, I was wondering too does that is is it difficult to keep the guitar in tune because anytime you play with it, like the guy I'm working for he's very he's like he's like a doting mother every time I'm like oh I'll just he's like no 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 don't change that he's going to change it's going to change I'm like oh I'll just put a space there no 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 like I hear him jumping through the phone I'm like chill right. chill it's gonna be fine he's like no you can't do it. i'm like don't worry about it i'm it's not all right i won't do it so i'm wondering if he had a hard time keeping the guitar in tune or if it doesn't even matter because he's just jamming and whamming it i, I thought it would go out of tune a lot more than it did it surprisingly after you get when you put new strings on a guitar they they take a little stretching so there's always this beginning time of they go out of tune a lot and then they eventually kind of equalize and and so after we got past that, it actually stayed in tune really well. I was kind of surprised, like happily surprised. Um, the problem is that by overstretching it over and over and over, you're going to end up breaking the strings more yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, yeah. we um, originally I had it pulling it a full step, like a whole step, which is if you were playing a B, it would go to a C sharp. So it goes to C and then C sharp. And he actually wanted it just to go to C. So we ended up changing it. I made it so that you could modify inside the guitar where, like, how far it moves when you do this action. So we made that movement shorter, which theoretically would help it stay in tune a little bit better better, and save the string from breaking 
a little bit longer. I mean, it's going to break eventually because you're just like stretching a piece of metal over and over. But I don't know. It stayed in tune pretty well, you know. And he's he said he's actually been playing that guitar pretty much as his sole guitar since he got it because he just really likes the idea it's of a new the toy. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so it's I think it's doing all right for him, which is really cool. That's awesome. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm really glad we got to. And Rob's great. If you don't know who Rob Scallon is, go watch his stuff. He's an amazing guitarist. He's also just a super cool, really nice guy. Um, who's who has some? We got to talk about YouTube a lot and stuff. And it's really interesting talking to somebody in a different space because he has an entirely different way of thinking of all sorts of stuff about. You know, we all have the same output, right? It's all video going on the same platform. We all do thumbnails and titles and all that stuff. But he has a totally different way of looking at a lot of the stuff than I did. And so it's just very cool to work with somebody like that and get somebody else's perspective on how they do things. And, you know, I learned a lot from hanging out with him. He's a good guy. So um, uh, I had another question for you. Oh, um, the thing that we have coming up this week, it's not a question, but made me think of it. So we were talking about the stained glass, you know, how we were all kind of doing stained glass. And a couple of weeks ago when you were doing your welding, you were learning welding stuff from your friend, David. Um, we were also shooting a video that's coming out this week. We're actually about four weeks ahead on video, which is amazing. So um, it's making a simple steel scrap container out of steel scraps. And so... Like we had a bunch of leftover pieces and I wanted to make one of those bins like you would see at, you know, one of the big hardware stores with all the the cutoffs just dropped down into these bins um, using the scrap that I had. And so it's a bunch of just welding, but joints, you know, a little bit of grinding. It's there's nothing to it, really. And so we used it as a chance to try to teach Josh what little I know about welding just to try to pass that along to him. And so it ended up being, I guess, probably similar to yours, except I'm the teacher, so I don't have all the knowledge that your teacher has. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was it was just like, he had never MIG welded before, so it was like, here's what I know, here's the very basics of it, you know, just to, to get it down. Um, so that's coming out this week. And it's just kind of funny that it, it'll look like we were copying you, but we actually filmed it about the same time that you did, so. It, hap- but, it happens a lot. We, we kind of, you know, stained glass yeah. thing, and then, you know, years ago there was the stools and, and whatnot. But, uh, um, I, the, the the techniques and stuff that Joel taught me in that video, it something must have clicked and it stuck because last week we were shooting a shop tour of the metal shop, which is not out yet. I think that'll be out this week. Uh, I needed some B-roll of, of welding. So I was like, oh, let me just weld a couple pieces together and you shoot it in your cool way, Dan. And it was like a perfect, to me, it looked like a perfect weld. And I was just like, man, that really having somebody hold my hand really helped and it, and it stuck with me. So. Yeah, it really does make a difference. Um, I was talking to, to Jody Collier at WorkbenchCon about going down and actually learning TIG from him because it's just like, I need to do, I need to do that. And I have been putting it off because watching YouTube videos about it just doesn't really get me where I need to be. And I need to go sit with somebody for just a few minutes that knows what they're doing. And so I think He's we're going to go down there and take a class from him. So, yep. TIG is on the list for me, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I've had a TIG welder for over a year, and I've tried it two times. 
and both times were failures for different reasons that I understand now, but it was just like, well, you know, <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll let it sit there for six months and not try it again. <laughs> and so like, I, I really got to get back to it. But I tell you guys about the Bridgeport fix. Have we talked about this? Is that Bridgeport what uh, I watched Chris Zepp tell you something a little bit? Is that what it was? Or is that yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it was. So um, while we were at WorkbenchCon, I was talking to, gosh, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody, and I can't remember. Don't be mad at me, whoever you were. I was talking to somebody about the Bridgeport, and they said, I, I said, you know, I'm going to swap out the bearings in the head because they're super loud, and I think that's the guy that I bought it from said that was one of the problems it needed and stuff like that. And whoever I was talking to said, no, that's probably not it. It's probably your mesh gears aren't sitting together. Yeah, and... So there's this thing on the top that you have to turn left and right, and it raises and lowers the spindle to get these gears to line up. And there's these pins that wear out. And so if they don't sit all the way, then when it runs, it's like, you know, everything's just kind of bouncing against each other and loud. And Chris walked up at the same time, and he overheard whoever this was. Dang it, I really wish I could remember who it was. He said, oh, yeah, that mine did that too. And mine did and so that too as well. Saying, did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so two people were like, yeah, all you got to do is take a piece of wood and jam it under this little this little rod and it'll force them into place, up or down or whichever, you know, whatever you want. So then Chris uh, sent uh, on Instagram and his stories, he sent a video of how his worked and pulled the piece of wood out and showed what it sounded like, put it back in, showed it fixed. And so I immediately walked down to my bridge fort and like this handle that he said should not have play in it, but if it has play, that's the problem. I like took my phone and I was like, all right, Chris, this is how much it's got. And I lifted it up like a quarter of an inch. <laughs> like there's a ton of play. <laughs> and so he was like, yep, that's the problem. And that's really awesome. I haven't that's made the cool. piece of wood to put in there yet to test it. That's on today's list. But like, it's so cool just being around people in any environment. We're, uh, the welding made me think of this. That somebody with just a little bit well, those guys both had a lot more experience, but somebody with more experience about a thing that you're just getting into knows tips and tricks that you just would never fall into on your own, you know, and and to have two and now three people come up and be like, oh, yeah, my, mine had the same problem. Like, ah, like I never would have figured that. Out. <laughs> but now it's a very simple fix. And now I can actually put the motor back on and start using the machine and not feel like I have to replace stuff just to get started, because that was kind of one of my, you know, like, oh, well, I guess I'll just, one of these days, I'll get around to putting the bearings in. Because you have to take the whole head apart and all this stuff. But now I don't have to do that. So now I don't have that excuse to keep me from beginning to use the machine. And as dumb as it is, like, having that, not being able to lean on that as a as an excuse is going to be better for me to get closer to do it. And I think I mentioned this before. I need to machine a part on the bridge port for the lathe so that I can use the lathe. And so that got me one step closer to using the lathe, too, um, just by having a little fix recommended from, you know, people with more experience. So I, that's super cool. It's another awesome thing about the community. Mini lathe that you have? Uh, yeah, I actually I took it out to the farm, um, mainly because right now I don't have space for it here. I just don't want things to stack up. But I think eventually out there I'll be working on, you know, a vehicle of some kind. And so having something out there to do little pieces if I need, you know, if I need to add threads or something. Um, I'll just keep it out there for now. And then if I have to do bigger work, I'll come back to the house and work on it here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. 
Speaking of, I was out at the farm this weekend, took the kids out, and we just, it was like 62 degrees yesterday, which was amazing. So we went and walked around in the woods. Uh, Jenny and I planned out a little bit more about um, stuff we're going to build out there. We found a spot kind of right in the center of the property where you can't see or hear anything else. That's actually a pretty good spot for a little campground. So I think we're going to start kind of clearing that out a little bit and build a fire pit and, you know, just kind of get it ready so that this spring, I mean, there's other places we can camp that are ready to go, but that would be like a two or three minute hike in, which is not far. It's, it's not far at all, but you know, the kids could get the experience of hiking into something, setting up a camp where you can't see anything else and then hiking out. Oh, nice. Um, where, yeah, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Where we live, we moved into our house in in the middle of summer on July, uh, on a, some random date in July, and the side yard and the backyard is wooded, sort of. Uh, you know, there's, I'm going to say, like 30 feet of trees and brush and, and whatever. So you couldn't see a single neighbor. You just, it's all trees and bushes. And then the fall came, all the leaves went down and you could see every <laughs> single neighbor and you're like, Oh, this stinks. And so right yeah, now I can look out and I can see the neighbors and I can't wait for spring because I love Oh my God. Same thing here. When, the, when the leaves <laughs> yeah. fill in, you can't see anything in my property. My house is completely engulfed in trees, but in the summer it's the best. And in the winter it's like, Oh, it's like, it's like a plucked chicken. Everyone sees all your junk in the weeds. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's the same out there. It it felt very, very far away from everything. And then when all the leaves, you know, were gone, I can see I can see three structures on other people's property that I couldn't see in the fall, you know, like in three different directions. And so it's or in the, the summer. So I'm ready for the leaves to come back to and I'm ready for the temperature to come back up so we can yes. go camp. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, and start building stuff out there. Yeah, speaking of building, there's one other thing. If you guys have been watching my stories, because uh, I have a lot of people offering their volunteer, and I really appreciate the people who say, "Hey, I, I wish you would have told me I could have been available." I started construction on the second floor in my barn, but I don't have the money right now to pay for the floor. The floor is going to be tens of thousands of dollars. But I figured baby steps in preparation. We had several different concepts on how to put in a second floor. And I thought I was going to go with this option where I would put these big steel beams in and then then put regular floor joists from beam to beam. So I was going to kind of create a grid every 20 feet. But I hired a, a real architect who had, works with a real engineer because everything else was just prior to that was just speculative. And anyway, Mike is his name. Mike came in, looked at the whole place, did drawings of the entire building that already existed, went back with an engineer, figured out a game plan. And he said, unfortunately, you have the insulation. And I think if we take the insulation out, put these giant headers in the wall, you'll save yourself like about six or eight inches without having to come into the room. And so we opted Hmm. to do that. So in the walls, we put this header over the weekend. It was a little cumbersome because we had to remove the insulation we had already put in. But we were able to take the insulation out put it back in and mike the uh, mike the architect and my buddy mike the fireman left lane designs on instagram who's uh, become a friend this year he's, he's been a, a great a great asset to the shop he's like definitely now part of the team here and uh, those guys kicked butt and got it all up and patrick was also part of the team and so it was uh it was a real great great team effort so i don't think any of those guys are listening maybe patrick does but i just want to say thank you to those guys and the floor will come in time with money in time so probably later in the summer 
Because like I said, the flooring is probably going to cost me at least another $30,000 for just the flooring. The floor will be about 55 by 40 feet. It'll be 12 foot, six inches above the ground. And upstairs, I'll have about six, about five feet at the end of the truss. A lot of people keep asking. They're like, why are you doing that? You're not going to have any headroom. And uh, the other people uh, we joked about the troll voice. I don't know if we did it before. After I was like, <laughs> what are you going to do with all the lights that are up there already what about all the lights so we're gonna have the lights relocated <laughs> some of them will be relocated under the floor so once there's a floor there the lights will be taken down and reestablished onto the floor not all of them that's ridiculous some. why would i'm just kidding we put all those, what, <laughs> what a waste of time fan? and resources <laughs> what about the fan it's too low so we're gonna fix the fan and we're gonna move the lights and uh, we're going to have the, the, the floor. So it's going to be toward the end of the summer, I'm guessing. Unless a miracle happens and I get anointed with tens of thousands of dollars in disposable cash. So the floor is going to happen later. So. If that happens, let me know. Because I'd, it, it'd be cool for that to happen to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, David. All three of us. No, I love the fact that yeah. you are just building it as you go when the time and right. money is right instead of taking yeah. out a loan and being in debt for another 20 years. That's, uh, yeah. that's a, so this that's step a way to cost it. me to put all these, this header in and everything, you know, with the fee for the architect and the labor and everything, this, this is going to cost, this is about $8,000 worth of, you know, energy to put those two headers in that that's for the architectural mm. plan, which was a couple thousand dollars paying these guys each a couple thousand dollars and, uh, you know, materials were about a couple thousand dollars. So, it uh, you know it adds up, and that's just like you know a couple of guys on a lift cutting and putting in some lumber. But that's the preparation to get it done right by a licensed engineer, so that we know that we're going through it the right way, and that we're not guessing that the floor is going to work and it's yeah. not going to droop. You know, and uh, anyway, he, uh, Mike spec these these open web trusses that we're going to put in there, so it's going to look pretty cool. It's going to look it's going to look like the inside of like a hipster like. Uh, startup. That's what it's going to look like. It's going to be like hipster startup. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, we Brooklyn. left the floor open. Yeah, it's going to look like a Brooklyn hipster startup, but everything's going to be shiny white wood as opposed to like old brown wood. So. Oh. I'm going to spray like an aging thing on it, and then everyone's going to get a cubicle and a lamp, and it's going to be like, yeah, man, oh. startup. <laughs> Beanbags, <laughs> dude. Yeah. 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 Beanbags in the lounge. <laughs> so well, we'll that's our inside. podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> yep. Yep. See you, see you next time. So, all right. I, so, tell us about the thing that we, uh, before we were recording, you were telling us about the video that Jocko made. Jocko just put out a video like 10 minutes ago before we started of me hanging out after, after we got back from, uh, when we got back from Atlanta, Jocko and I were just hanging around and he just started filming and interviewing me, hanging around the shop. And he basically turned that into a 40 minute video, which is on his channel today. And, the very first comment was, it's a great video and Jocko loves me and I love him. I, I mean that wholeheartedly. We we really have a great friendship and we really enjoy each other's company and we just laugh the entire time we're together. And he just started asking me like philosophical questions about what I do and why I do it. And that's all in the video. And the very first question, the very first comment was, and now here, listen to this. Imagine I'm saying it in a baby voice. It said, I like Jimmy better when he didn't have advertisers. And right away, I started thinking, it's been 10 years. It's been nine years since I started YouTube. I put my first video up in 2011, right after I did a television show, which I wasn't happy with. 
you know, the non-communication from the production team. They didn't say anything. So I was like, I'm going to show everybody and I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And I put my first video up. I had videos up before that, but they weren't anything of consequence. They were just me just like putting up weird videos just to kind of go with the flow of what everybody was doing at the time, which I didn't pay close attention to, but then I started to. And so after 2011, I started putting up videos and it was funny. You watched me put up a video and then the second video was me and Taylor goofing off in the kitchen and somebody lets out gas. I don't want to say the F word, but, and it's like a laugh. So it's like me putting out a video in the shop and then me and Taylor and her mom goofing off in the kitchen. And then I put out another shop video. So like, I really wasn't getting the vibe of like, you know, where we are now. And if you go through my videos, you see me slowly starting to get into it. Like we all do. And then you look at nine years of someone's life and you think to yourself, oh, okay, where was any one of us at nine years ago? And, and when somebody says, oh, I like that person better than that's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous to say that. And I talk about this often, but it kind of creates this whole philosophical thing of like anybody who shares their life for nine years is going to change. Like a huge example is Casey Neistat. Like Casey, we all watch Casey Neistat basically become extremely successful, financially independent, probably from everything. In the beginning, he never monetized his videos because he's like, I don't want anybody to put some weird ad in front of my thing. And then one day he realized he was leaving probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in the wind. And then he's like, okay, let me monetize these videos. And he has two children to worry about and three children to worry about. And so it would be stupid not to monetize them. So I, I just said, it's just, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm going to leave it to you guys in a minute to try and define the, this, the structure of this concept. But it's nine years sharing your life online. And when someone starts saying, oh, I like you better than, I like you better than, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's kind of pointless to say that because anybody who's a human being is going to grow, is going to evolve. And if you don't want to evolve and you don't want to grow, you know, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you because we're all about the human condition is to, to learn, to be better, to understand each other better, to love each other better. And when someone says, I liked you better then when you were doing this, it's just, it's just unrealistic. So I guess I'm talking to the two trolls that listen to the show. <laughs> it's, Anybody it's, else uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely insulting because you've grown as a person, you've gotten better and we're all kind, we're all, I think the purpose for us is to push ourselves and that's going to, that means we're going to change constantly. So somebody saying, I like you better than is, is, uh, that's quite an insult really. But, um, I put out my first video in 2013. I picked up woodworking in 2011. And so you're kind of seeing my journey into learning woodworking and, it was for fun at first. I mean, my first video is uh, putting together a, my saw stop table saw and then making some just tiny little things that I needed for the house. And that turned into what it is now. The purpose wasn't to be a YouTuber. The purpose was to make videos. And then it naturally transformed into being a YouTuber because I was, I was fairly happy with my job. I mean, there's things about my job I didn't like, but I I had a really good job. And I like the people that I work with. And so it's it's just kind of, let's see, I put up my video in 2013. I think I quit my job in maybe 2015, something like that. So 
uh, two years into it of doing it for fun and then realizing, hey, this could be my new career. Yeah. Um, so I think listening to you guys talk, I was thinking about this and like why why somebody would think that way, but also why that's offensive to us or why that would bother us. And I think it's pretty clear why that would bother us. And this is, to be clear, I don't think this is about negative comments. I think this is about understanding why you like stuff and like how, from, from both perspectives, the creator and the viewer. I think one of the big problems with YouTube still, and this is not with YouTube as a platform, but YouTube as a thing that people consume, is I think a lot of people are still looking at the output on YouTube as the same or equivalent to the output of TV, of like traditional media. That's good from one perspective because it levels the playing field of like, they may like something that one of us does just as much as they like a new show from NBC or Fox or whatever channel, right? They may, they may equate those things in their preference. But I think a lot of times they don't equate those things as how they're produced or where they come from. And so, like, if you start watching, I don't know, you start watching Show X on ABC, and you're like, oh, this is great. It's like good characters, good story, whatever. And then, you know, they go four or five seasons in, and then they're like, oh, we got to now take all these characters to space to keep it interesting, right? So we're going to go to space and the whole, th- whole dynamic is going to change because it's got to stay interesting. You could look at that as a consumer and be like, well, I liked the first thing. You, you set up a, a system, you set up a universe, you set up characters, and I liked that co- collection of those things. And then you disrupted that to keep it interesting, air quoting, and I don't like the change that you made there. So, I mean, that seems pretty reasonable, right? Because you came into a fabricated reality, a fabricated production. You like the sequence. You like the con- how all those pieces, the ingredients. Somebody changes the ingredients, you don't like it as much. Same for food. Now that I made that analogy, same thing works for food. You know, they change the major, major ingredient in the Big Mac. Jimmy gets upset because the Big Macs t- taste differently than they used to. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but the difference with us and with all creators, and I don't mean us like exclusively, but just with people who create things and put it online, is that there's no like, all right, team, let's sit down and have a production meeting for how we're going to start this new YouTube channel about me in my garage. That's <laughs> not how it works. It's just like a person that starts right. making videos. And like you're saying, Jimmy, the person is going to evolve. The person is going to grow. And that happens... Uh, with that happens differently than it would in like a TV or film production environment. But the output, I think, is still equivalent to people. So they think it should react like TV production reacts. And so when it changes, when it evolves and grows and becomes something different, because the person running it does, they get upset. And they're like, mm-hmm. this is not the Big Mac that I wanted. This is something else, you know? Yeah. So I kind of understand it uh, from that perspective. But I would seriously hope that anybody who has that perspective would think about the fact that you're in a relationship. It's like you're in a relationship with the content creator. Imagine you met somebody and you fell in love with this person and you spent all sorts of time with this person. And then 10 years down the road, you're like, you know what? I really liked you on our first date. I wish you had been just like you were on our first date Mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. How jacked up would that be to have a conversation like that with a human? (laughs) Yeah. 
Like, I sure wish you hadn't changed at all in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and so I hope people would, would think about comments like that, not not to support our feelings and not to make us feel good, but just like if you're going to have a relationship, whether it's a personal relationship or a consumer relationship with a person who is creating something from their heart, you know, from their their skills, you have a relationship with them and you need to be a little more reasonable <laughs> about your expectations. And like we've said this a million times, if you want people who make uh, content to be able to continue to do that, they have to pay for it. All this comes at a cost. Yeah. And uh, you know, another thing was just coming more clear to me because I was a little, I was a little, I was a little unfocused in my first opening statement. It's, it's a little offensive because when somebody says, I liked you when you were this, you're discounting the fact that, and I'm just using these examples to create a more more visual uh, example. Now I know how to play the violin. Now I know how to play the trombone. I don't know how to play any of those things. But the point I'm making is, is I've learned how to play all these instruments in the shop that I didn't know at all how to do nine years ago. And you're telling me, I liked you better when you were just as stupid as me, basically. <laughs> and, <laughs> And and that to me says more about you than it says about me. I mean, it says everything about you. There's no even there's not even a question about it. You're feeling insecure because I'm growing and you're not growing as fast as me because you don't have the same opportunities as me because you're not taking the time to create the same opportunities as I've done for myself. And so therefore, you're sitting there going, you know, we all have friends from high school, and then you hear that success story. Oh. All he did was he invented this thing. Now he's a millionaire. And you think to yourself, oh, God, I wish I had done that, you know? And I think that's what the trolls see sometimes when you have somebody online that's saying, I wish you would have stayed like this. Because that's where I could relate to you the most. Because that's where I stopped learning when you were at this level. But you keep mm-hmm. on learning. And now yeah. I can't relate to you because I didn't learn with you. And right. And, and like I said, it, it says everything about them. And I don't take any offense when someone says, oh, I, you know, I liked you better when you stayed at this point. Or I hear it all the time. You know, everything changed when you left your basement. Yeah, everything changed. I got big machines. I got freedom. I got chickens. I got a turkey. I got a <laughs> barn. Man, I am living life. It changed so good. You know, you could bleep that. And when someone says you changed, like, you bet I changed. I changed for the better. <laughs> I am so happy with the yeah. direction my life has taken. I'm not a rat in the basement anymore with poop splashing across the top of my shoes, being stuck in a rent <laughs> that I was, oh, God, I can't wait to get out of here. But then someone looks at that and they go, yeah. oh, you change. You're not, you're not doing like, you know, you're not making things out of garbage we used to make. I got to do the baby voice. You change. To be fair, we are in a position where we can change faster because this is this is our career. So every day we are That's bettering ourselves and we can acquire more tools and we can learn all these skills. So we are able to grow faster than somebody watching. So um, we we may lose people along the way. That's just going to be the, the natural progression of things. Um, hopefully we can um, I, I think the goal is to like still try to make it so you can be, you can enjoy the videos, even if it's beyond what you're able to do. Maybe you can find some inspiration from what stuff you can't do, but you can p- incorporate that into the things that you are doing. There's also, I don't, I don't know the term or the phrase for it, but uh, there's a thing where you think, oh yeah, the '80s was just a better time because you. Uh, 
you're 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 stuck on those things that you love from the 80s or from the 90s that 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 nostalgia there's a there's a uh, your your brain remembers the, the good times then so when somebody says you were i like you better then they could be associating that with just their that that time frame within that person's lives they just discovered you on youtube they just discovered this this woodworking thing and and uh and and they're learning from everybody so it's all it's all relative to to the viewer we are really focused on trying to be more inspirational instead of instructional just so everybody can be included in the videos moving along. And that's, and and I'm hoping people are watching the videos because they like me as in David Picciuto and, and maybe not so much as I need to learn how to do a pocket hole joint in this thing that I'm making. Yeah. I, I think there's another thing. That's a really good point. Uh, another thing that is different about our position is that we are on display. A lot of people, most people, all people change constantly, right? You are you are affected by the world around you, by the situations that you're in, where you came from, all these different things, and you are constantly changing, growing, and evolving for better or for worse. We happen to be doing that on a weekly, bi-weekly basis on a stage in front of people, and the gaps in between those two, uh, those, those releases, the every week release or two-week release or whatever, none of that is shown, so the effect of our change is on display, which is very different from living with a person that you see every single day and the changes are not, uh, you know, it's like when you go see a niece or a nephew or something, you see them at Christmas every year. And then one year you're like, who is that? <laughs> like, oh, that's the niece or nephew that's a foot taller than they were last year. But the parents don't see that growth as, as easily because they're with the child every single day. I think it's a similar thing where... The viewers sometimes get to see us um, edited. They see the mm. best or the part that we want out there for for whatever reason, and they don't see the the growth in between those uh, releases. You know, to see how we made those changes, or or why we made those changes, or why we are a different person than we were a year ago, a month ago, a week ago. So, I don't think that's a good, bad, ugly, whatever. That's just the case. Mm-hmm. They they're their view of us is uh, different than if you were next to somebody and you had a view of how someone was growing. They would have a different appreciation, I think, for that. So that that being said, we can't take offense to that because yeah. the uh, it's just a different type of relationship. Like a the effects that they see are very different than if you were around someone in person, somebody that you knew in real life and saw those same effects. That's a good case for watching instagram stories because i i probably don't post as much instagram stories as the two of you but it is a great kind of insight on what's going on in between the videos and the struggles because i mean uh i mean jimmy will post i don't know what each little page is called but jimmy will post like 30 of them in a single day and i'm like you you are seeing the behind the scenes and every single thing that that's going on and uh you know if you want if you want a little bit more of that, Instagram is a is a great place to put that and a great place to go to to understand that because it's temporary. It's up there for twenty four hours and it's not this this permanent thing. And so you're not you're not uh, it's not going to come back and, and and haunt you later later on down down the road. 
that's not the right way to say it, but it's it's an it's the unedited version of you, somewhat unedited. It's just like well, I want to I mean, emphasize that this is not us complaining about negative comments. It's just it's it's, a, it's trying to make a, a show about growth and yeah. And not focusing on the negativity because most of the comments are are fantastic. Most, yeah, ninety nine percent of the comments are, um, you know, love what you're doing with you. This is awesome, and you know the good commenters know how to critique in a positive way. I think you know. I think a healthy outlook would be, and I can only use my own personal example, would be to watch somebody you care about them. You know, that's YouTube. You get invested in 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 us or. For instance, I'm going to use Casey as another example. I don't know Casey. I never met him, but I like him. I like his character. I think everything he's done from the beginning of, I remember the moment he was like on the side of a hillside. He's like, well, today I'm 34 and I'm going to film every single day of my life going forward. I don't know how long it'll last, but let's see what happens. And I remember watching that video. And then from where he was then three or four years ago to where he is now, now he's in California. He doesn't live in New York anymore. Casey Neistat, if people, the people don't know what I'm talking about. And some people are like, oh, that's it. His channel's over. He left New York City. New York City was a huge character. But I'm still so excited every time I see him put out a video, even if it is just an advertisement. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, oh, wow, now he's working with that company. That's really cool. That's interesting. That's something to aspire to. And so I'm totally on the roller coaster with him as a viewer, as a spectator. And and we all have those people that are on our roller coasters and we all greatly appreciate that. And, you know, every once in a while we get to actually shake and hug those people, shake hands and hug those people. And it's, and it's amazing. It's like the, the greatest feeling in the world. Um, but when people say, oh, you know, Casey, oh, that's it. He's no longer creative because he left New York. I think that's just a small minded point of view. He, the, the great thing about Casey is he knows i mean he did the vlog for what four years every single day he understands the whatever the seven elements of creating a good story so no matter where he is in the world or even if he's doing a sponsored post he knows how to pull out that story and make an interesting video and so it doesn't matter where he is or what he's doing that day he knows how to make that into a story and that's really important and if you want to do the social media thing youtube thing you have to understand how to make a, a good video to keep viewers interest to keep people coming back and yeah. to make the the guy in the basement turn the knobs to so more oh, people yeah. enjoy your channel that reminds me somebody did a little animation of that on instagram yesterday what? yeah oh i want to see that with the puppet yeah, we, yeah. i gotta shout him out i want to get his exact yeah. handle um, right so i'm gonna look it up so i guess one more thing on this I, to make this like useful and actionable for people. My friend Andy um, has started doing YouTube stuff recently and he's a woodworker, a friend of mine here in town. And so we had lunch the other day and we were just talking about different, you know, content creation things. And I was trying to encourage him to go ahead and plan ahead for the future. Like if, if this is a thing that you think you might want to pursue past it being a hobby and, and this is for everyone, I think, if if you think that there's any future where this becomes more than just a throwaway video thing that you're putting up, not, not even full time, but if it's a thing that you want to do as a hobby, as a whatever, then go ahead and just plan for the fact that you are going to change. Uh, you're going to be able to update your style and your logo and your the things that you cover in your videos. All of that has potential to grow and to change. Part of that means that the people that come in to watch you are going to come in through something that you do. 
naturally they're going to think that that's the thing you do. If they come in through a woodworking video, they're going to assume that you do woodworking. If they come in through a prop video, they're going to assume that you do props. And so then when you do something different or you decide to change something, and David, you've probably run into this because you've made a bunch of pivots over the years, people fight back because this is not what I signed up for. This is not how I found you. This is not what you were doing last week. And it's not what I expected naturally. And so there's a, a little bit of a pushback to that. But I think if you go into it, assuming change will happen, then you have to also assume that you will get that pushback from those people here and there and just be prepared for it. Don't be offended by it. Understand that that's a natural part of people consuming things and people creating things. And those don't always line up and that's just going to happen. Some people will lose interest in the in the things that you do because they're not different than how they found you. And that's totally fine for everybody involved. But it's hard not to get offended because we care about what we do. That's and true. then when somebody, when somebody, you know, goes, Oh, this is not what I like. When you're like, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> you know? uh, awesome. It's easy to get offended. It's easy to get hurt with that stuff, but just, you know, go into it knowing that that's going to happen and try not to take it too personally. In my case, if I, I I set out to make these types of videos at the beginning, and I learned that over time, these are not the types of videos that I want to make. And then, so you, you change not because you're growing, you change because you're, this isn't, it's not what you expected, or it's just like, this is not as fun as I want it. Let's, let's go into this direction. So it is more fun, and I enjoy making these videos. So expect expect change yeah if you're going yeah going into anything expect change true jimmy did you find a, a link to that guy's oh yeah paul spirito i just wanted to make sure i said his instagram correctly paul spirito has been to a couple of classes here he's helped volunteer at some classes and he's just a good dude lives nearby p-a-u-l underscore s-p-i-r-i-t-o tell him i sent you paul did a little animation which seems like the beginning of a much bigger animation of the old man in the basement running around loosening up faucets because we always joke about it <laughs> that's so great yeah it's pretty funny somebody uh also i don't remember who said it after you mentioned that on the podcast a few weeks ago they said that old man's name is al oh it's algorithm mm. <laughs> algorithm that's pretty good yeah old man al anyway yeah. yeah old man al all right um well let me thank our patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you want to recommend a uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over on Patreon. Everyone over there is awesome, and we are really grateful for the support. Uh, and all those people, everybody at every level, gets the after show, which is more of us talking, usually 10, 15 minutes an episode, something like that, sometimes 20. Uh, secret stuff, upcoming stuff, silly stuff, lots of other stuff. So if you want that, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Our top supporters over there are... Corey Ward, works by Solo, Chad for Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, you can make this too, Odin Leather Goods, Jenny and Davis, and Albers Woodworks. So thank you to that whole group and everybody else that helps us out at every level. We are grateful. All right. David, what you got? I think I'm going to go with the Backyard Scientist. It's just a, a fun <laughs> experimental science channel. Uh Many times what they are doing is very dangerous. <laughs> and I think I most times. Okay. Yeah. Let's go nearly every single video is, is super yeah. dangerous. Uh it, it's a great channel. Many of you are probably already subscribed. It's a, a huge, huge follower 
like 4.4 million subscribers. So, but it's so enjoyable and it's just, he has great reactions because he doesn't always know what's going to happen. So the backyard scientist met him briefly about five years ago and nice guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. All right, Dave, uh, David, you've already had yours. Jimmy, what you got? Uh, I, people, a lot of people ask me if I know uh, Tom Sachs, and I don't know Tom Sachs. I never met him. And uh, there was one time when we were going to be at a party together, and so it was only going to be about 10 people, and he didn't make it, so I never met him. But that was my, my only brush with potentially getting to know Tom Sachs. I know Jocko's met him. Jocko's been to his shop, and so has Laura. But... Um, I have mixed feelings about his work. I, I like what he does. I'm not so sure. Like, this is just my own personal thing. I'm not sure. I, I'm like that whole art gallery thing in New York because I've met so many people that are in the art gallery scene and I have friends that worked at art galleries. And I just know a little bit of the behind the scenes and, and it's, it's, it's a little pretentious to say the least. So that's what always put me off of Tom's work is because of like the whole art gallery-ness of his work. But that's I, the beauty of art. It's to create a reaction. <laughs> Yeah, but I do, but I do like what he does, and I do like his plywood creations. And lately, for some reason, Al Algorithm has been sending me some of his <laughs> his videos. So yesterday, I actually liked on Twitter. You see, I like the and I've seen them before, but I just took a closer look in a different context, in a different state of mind. I watched a lot of the videos that Tom put up seven, eight years ago. As kind of was his sort of uh, was his golden moment, at least for now on youtube when he he put up all these videos with van with van uh, neistat and uh they're good they're good videos they're like i said they're slightly pretentious only because i'm from manhattan and i know that whole art scene but i i do like them for what they are and they're well done and i like the uh the craftiness of them and and uh so he's growing on me so tom's tom's mm-hmm. stuff is growing on me like i said it's just the ridge of me being a little like uptight about the uh, pretentiousness of the art gallery world in new york but I do like what he's done and got to check out those videos. They're really well done. And I think Casey had something to do with them. I know Van obviously did. That's Casey's brother. He's actually in a lot of them. And it's about color, plywood, the table saw, you know, all these cool videos that they've done. So go take a look at Tom Sachs's YouTube channel. One of my favorites, cool. is, and I don't remember what it's called, but it's something like the art of plywood. There's a whole video about plywood. Yeah. I think it's the old to really plywood. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That, that's... If you're new, for me, that's where I would want to start. Uh, that's it's, where I would send. They're really they're they're fairly long and they're usually pretty in depth and they have a really nice pace and it's like they 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 say what they want to say at their own speed and they take advantage of time and space and and pauses, which I thought this is really good. You know, as a movie maker who just makes everything super fast. Hmm. Cool. Um, mine is actually something I've not seen, <laughs> but uh, so they're. Disney Plus released a few new shows, and I got an email that said, three shows about making stuff. And so I immediately click on it to figure it out. And there's a new show called Shop Class. And just from watching the trailer of it, it's like a, a kid's, or it's a competition show with teams of kids building things. And just like looking at the trailer, it's like, uh, you know, they, they get to do a lot of different stuff. There's welding and woodworking and shaping of different things. And... um they're making some go-karts and stuff. And I'm excited. I think, I don't know how the show will be. I'm sure it will be good because everything I've seen on um, Disney Plus so far has been really, really well produced. They're original stuff. But I think it's a big, uh, it's a big example of showing kids making stuff with tools. 
and it's on a platform geared at kids and families. And I think that cannot do anything but good. You know what I mean? Like if that were on some, you know, history channel or some like lower tier thing that a lot of people aren't necessarily going to see, it's probably not going to have a big impact, but Disney has a way of making pretty big spectacles in front of a whole lot of people. And so if this is a good example of showing kids, you know, building stuff, then I'm all for that. So I just kind of want to throw it out there. If you've got kids in, or, you know, you know, somebody that has kids and you want to kind of put some examples in front of them of other kids making stuff, you might want to check that out. I'm excited to watch it with my kids. A few weeks ago, Bob, you suggested the, another Disney plus show, the Imagineering something or other. What, what is that called? Yeah, uh, the imaginary story. I think. Yeah, I'm three episodes into that, and it's it's really good. So that was a yeah, a, that was an excellent pick. Cool. Yeah, it gets better. Even I mean, you know, it cov- covers a whole bunch of different time, but seeing all of the things that they have to continually come up with, just over and over, to always be ahead and always do things that people aren't expecting, is fascinating. All right, you guys got anything else? No. <clears throat> I think I've got, I've got, I've got, I hope I made a point today. I felt like I was rambling, so I apologize in advance. It's what we do. We're professional ramblers. <laughs> it's fun. You didn't say anything All important. Right. <laughs> Why did I listen All right. to this? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Later. Love you. Bye.